is up everybody welcome back to another episode of those damn sports we took a week off hope you don't mind sorry about that but we're back today is tuesday november 30th 6 13 at nighttime welcome to a podcast after dark is that recording now podcast after dark but, well there's pac 12 after dark so and granted oregon state is in the pac 12 so it, it goes hand in hand I yeah, like it. I like yeah. It. but also i thought we were always after dark well, yeah, because we... just keeps getting darker and darker, though. Yeah, because it's winter, and it's already, what, 6.30, almost yeah. 6.30, it's pitch black outside, so yeah. Anyways. Don't, don't fret, everyone, <laughs> all, all our favorite listeners. It's still the same three here. Yeah. As always, Ben Rubino. Ryan Harlan. And Andres De Los Santos. And we're coming at you with some, some new Beaver news, you know, some seasons ending, some continuing, some coming to a close, but to start us off with an icebreaker... Ryan, you came up with a good question here. If you could pick a jersey number, what would it be and why? Well, I'll start us off here. Oh, good, good. Yeah. If I had the, and it isn't because of Kobe, but my favorite number was 24 okay. growing up, and it was actually because it could be divided by so many numbers. That's fair, honestly. I thought it was super fair cool. Enough. Fair enough. As a enough. fifth grader, yeah. I was like, wow. Eight, That's so awesome. Three, six, four, <laughs> two. <laughs> Don't forget about two. Um, two. But also, once I got to high school, I wore number five for almost everything. Hmm, okay. I'd, so that was kind of like my... Uh, that's my real number. I guess I can't say it was my favorite though. It's just who I was. Is this for you? You were you were number five. You, I was number you five. were five. I was number five. You were five. <laughs> All right, Ryan. What about you? I'd say my favorite number, or at least number I'd wear, either be seventeen or seven. That's what I would okay. go with myself. Uh, partly because of seven, uh, my favorite soccer player Antoine Griezmann wears number seven. Now wears number eight with Atletico Madrid after being traded back there. Uh, so, yeah. That's that's partly why. So. Nice, nice. What about um, you? Growing up, the first number I remember getting in sports was the number 10. So 10 used, used to be a favorite number to go to in sports. But now, for some reason, it's um, number four. I don't know why, but like in high school, I was very superstitious about the number four. So, for example, like, um, like for, I was in high school. If I was on mat four, I was undefeated. I won. Um if I was a fourth matchup in a dual meet, I always won. Uh, yeah, the number four, I don't know. The number four is like, it's a go-to number. Like, Brett Farr had it. Mm-hmm. Um, JJ Redick had it. You know? <laughs> Taylor Heineke. <laughs> Taylor Heineke has it, you know. JJ Redick. Yeah, so number four is just a, such, such a go-to number. And if you want to be the GOAT, you got to wear the number. So, yeah, number four is my favorite number. The GOAT down. himself, Alex Caruso. The well, go- yeah, now that, wears uh, number six. Too. But. Him too, yeah. When he was, when he was traded out of uh, the Lakers. No, no, he wasn't traded. Oh, he, when, he, when he signed with the Bulls, yeah. I was... Um, I was pretty sad. I thought they could move before. I was gonna buy. I look at my buy his uh, Bulls jersey, but anyway, that's a different story. We are a pro go Alex Caruso podcast, but this is Oregon State, so a little different, uh, <laughs> different atmosphere. But nonetheless, Ryan, what are we talking about today? Um, are we talking about the changes to the college football landscape, or are we so talking many about different changes oh, in the college football landscape? <laughs> oh, so some big ones that happened uh, over the weekend: Lincoln Riley to USC. After being at Oklahoma and Brian Kelly to LSU after being at Notre Dame, actually this morning had an 11 minute meeting and then left the facility. And then with the move with Riley to USC, uh, Oklahoma fans aren't happy. Uh, USC fans are, though. USC fans are, Mm -hmm. yeah. And too, frankly, I'm scared because Lincoln Riley was such a go at Oklahoma and now he doesn't come to the Pac 12 and just looking to dominate, which he probably will because all the commits that were going to Oklahoma are now flipping to USC. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) I forget who it was, but one of their like five star or four star quarterbacks just committed to USC today. Mm -hmm. So USC is probably going to get back to that. 
top 10, top 15 in the country. Oh, definitely. Ranking. Oh, definitely. Just so crazy how just the change of a coach can bring different players and the culture recruits too. to the organization. I mean, yeah, it's the culture, but he hasn't even set up a culture or a reputation at USC yet. So they're, just, they're following the feeling. That is true, yeah. But, um, yeah, for the Pac-12 conference in general, looks like there could be a new dominant powerhouse. Kind of bad for the Beavers. Thankfully, though, I mean, different conference. I mean, division. Different division, yeah. Division, division yeah. is what I'm at. But, yeah. hey, if it impacts Oregon's recruiting chances, I'll take it. I'll take no, it I'm any thinking day. Oregon State's recruiting chances, if I was a recruit and I was looking at Oregon schools I wanted to go to, I'd personally, not biasly because I go to Oregon State, well, yeah, I'd cool. come to Oregon State over Oregon too. because I would too. we're, like, right there. We have, I know. We're not, like, there nationally ranked and getting all the attention and have Phil Knight giving us all these new jerseys and stuff, but we only lost to the Ducks by... Nine, nine points. points. We'll talk about like, that later. But yeah, talk later. About that later. Could have been changed, but a nine-point deficit, winning last year on a game-winning touchdown. If I was a recruit, I'd look at Oregon State. Like, you know what? All these people at Oregon are so cocky about themselves. These are just oh, yeah. people, you know, mm-hmm. thinking one and done. Couple years, get to the league. But I want to go to Oregon State, and I want to, I want to play for wrong. the, I want to play for the underdogs. I want to yes. play for the team with a chip on my shoulder. I want to, I want to go and. Play for the Beavs, beat the Ducks, show them. Yeah, I didn't Go choose you. Go make some you. noise in Corvallis. I didn't, choose you, you know? you. I didn't choose you, Eugene. I choose Corvallis. Corvallis is a better town, I will say. Eugene yeah. is. Yeah. Definitely. We'll talk about that later. But Eugene, I did yeah. not Eugene. like Eugene. We'll, t- we'll talk all. about that later. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to talk about from that game. And knowing that I broadcasted that, yeah, that'll be that'll be something to talk about later on. That's so fun. I can't believe you broadcasted that. You're just on top of Austin, like Austin uh, Stadium. Mm-hmm. Both Ben and I were on were on top of the press boxes on on the roof. Never rains inside Austin. Did it rain on top? It rained early on. It it, ne- it rained early on, but during the game, nope. But anyway, before we travel to Eugene, let's travel to Florida. Actually, as both the women's and men's Oregon State basketball team, uh, they had Thanksgiving tournaments. Uh, women's was in Daytona at the D- Daytona Beach Invitational, while men's was at the Emerald Coast Classic. Overall, um, they had two games apiece, and currently Oregon State is 0-4 in the state of Florida this season. The men's team. Both of them. Both teams. Both teams went. Oh, both, both teams lost. Florida. So, so uh, the first game for the women was against uh, Michigan. They lost that matchup by a score of 61-52. to And then second match was uh, second game was against uh, Notre Dame, and Notre Dame did get the upper edge. By a score of sixty-four to sixty-two, so so very very close. But there were some positives, some highlights from throughout the game. That's right, that's right, Andres. Highlights from that game, uh, at least from Michigan game. Kennedy Brown recorded her first double double of the season against Michigan, going for twelve points and ten rebounds. Beast. Taya Corsdale <laughs> had eleven rebounds as well as four assists and two steals in the game against Notre Dame. They overcame a 22-point deficit against the Fighting Irish. Almost completed a comeback. Almost. Almost, almost but just fell short. Talia von Olhoffen had 25 points against Notre Dame, and 23 of those came in the second half. Taylor Jones had a double-double with 14 points and 11 rebounds, and Kennedy Brown had 14 rebounds and four blocks in that game. So... Some good, you know, they played some really good teams. Which yeah, Michigan and Notre Dame are pretty two pretty notable programs. So, um, luckily, Oregon State, uh, the women's side, the women's team, they're still in the top 25. Mm-hmm. Currently ranked at 23 right now in the country. Obviously not ideal, but yeah. as long as you're in the ranking, you're in the conversation that that's just good enough as you're going to get. Exactly. And, um, Ben, I don't think there's so much for concern yet because, um, 
you know, there's there are some really good teams, and they did show some ups. So I don't think there's too much to worry about yet. What are your thoughts on like you know these two early losses in the season? Not yet. They're close. Um, Oregon State women's team they're tough still. Yeah, I mean, nationally uh, ranked, but going against Michigan and Notre Dame, just coming up with two um, kind of small losses. I mean, small just by point. Yeah, differential. No, but Notre Dame was by two points. Yeah, so that's, playing that's, against that's, that's two free the, after the game against Michigan, the head coach Scott Rook had this to say. He said, "As this team grows." You're going to have to go through some things like this. As we get better, we will execute better on the offensive end. It was a combination of their pressure, some mistakes on our end, some key players in foul trouble. This team is always going to fight. It's a hallmark of our program. I was really pleased with the effort tonight. We just need to execute better, and we will. And, you know, going to a tournament in Florida, cross-country, playing yeah. in an arena that you're not familiar with, fans you're not really – I mean, I don't even know if fans in Florida know who, where Oregon State is or where it's from. To be honest, <laughs> was that a subtle roast there, Ben? Florida roast. <laughs> and, speaking, but, of, um, speaking of Scott Rick, uh, he did have this to say after the Notre Dame loss too. He said, "I was super proud. This is a young team, and it takes a while for teams to gel. There are a lot of new faces on this roster. I wish we were playing like a March team right now, but we aren't quite there yet. I know how much talent is on this roster and the character of these competitors. Every team needs to find its identity, and we're in the process of doing that. So overall, pretty." Pretty nice some of the, like, he's saying, like, okay, losses, like, they happen. But I agree with him, just that they need to happen for a team to become very, very successful, like, especially in the postseason. Exactly, yeah. And, two, um, it, it'll it'll happen. And losses help make a team better. And I think they'll use this going forward here. Uh, uh, who do they play next week? They, I forget. they, they, are play, going Pac- back they to play Pacific Gil. tomorrow. They play yeah. Pacific tomorrow. Wednesday okay. at 11 a.m. Yeah, which, right. which is a weird tip-off time. Let's change the topics. A weird tip-off time. 11 a.m. That's yeah, like... no one's going I, to I have class during that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so weird. I would love to go, and that's why I didn't want... Like, I didn't, want, I didn't ask anyone to cover it, because I well, know, like, people have class during that time. Could be because this is... Um, Oregon State's hosting its annual Beavers Beyond the Classroom game. So oh, maybe that's, oh, yeah, that's maybe, right. Maybe they're yeah. doing it during class time. You know? I, hey. think, I think the whole field trip is like they like the kids go to. Oh, really? Yeah, because I remember my freshman year they had that they had a similar thing where it's like, um, like these like kids from like the Corvallis like elementary schools like they like their field trip is they go to the game. That's cool. And watch that's it. Cool. That, that is pretty cool, right? I wish I had that in elementary I know, I wish school. I had that. I wish the the Long Beach State basketball team would do that, but no. Anyway, um, <laughs> but but something less though. Um, two losses overall, not that bad, I will say. Uh, overall, the Oregon State women's team is three and two, undefeated at home currently. Still, they're looking to keep that streak alive coming into um, Wednesday, and then after that, they face uh, the Monmouth uh, December tenth. That's in West Long Branch, New Jersey. So, pretty uh, pretty um, hectic schedule, but nonetheless, though, I think they'll rebound after this um, this loss, but. Um, so yeah, so there's no no cause for concern here for the women's basketball team, but Ben, I really can't say the same thing for the men's basketball team. Ben, do you want to talk no, about you yeah. want you want to talk about a little bit? Men's basketball team has been struggling since after their season opener against Portland State in general, um, dropping games left and right, just not coming in at the end of the game, closing when they're supposed to, just letting defensive breakdowns occur constantly, but. Really, it just looks like a team that doesn't have an identity quite yet. Yeah. New yeah. players coming in, losing their star player just since last year. Um, people are still looking to try and find their role on the team and find that consistently. But traveling to their tournament, they played their first game against Penn State. No, uh, Wake Forest. Are you sure? Yeah, Wake Forest and then Penn State. All right, well, 
Against Wake Forest, <laughs> this game was a close one. It went yes. to overtime, and the Beavers only lost by three. A little bit of a moral victory, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, big comeback, being down 48-29 to 29 at the end of the first half, and then outscoring them 40-21 to 21 in the second half to force overtime, then just unfortunately coming up three points short. Mm-hmm. Shows the team that's showing a little bit of fight, wanting to get in it. In this game, Worth Alatiche had 10 points, uh, four field goals made. Um, he played 27 minutes. Guard Dexter Ocano contributed 10 points of his own. Johnny Hunt had 11 points um, nice and 30 nice. minutes of play. It's good to see from him. And leading the Beavers in scoring was Rodrigo Della with 16 points. Wow. Um, shooting. Yeah, he made six field goals and also four free throws. Okay. Playing 23 minutes. In nice the kind of combination of everything. But yeah, uh, Wake Forest for them, Alondes Williams scored seven of his game-high 24 points in overtime, and this, through that, Wake Forest was able to hold off Oregon State 80-77. to, 70, 80 to 77. Mm-hmm. Friday night in that first round of the Emerald Coast Classic on in the Raider Arena. So, I mean, that Wake Forest team, they're good. The Demon Deacons have won six straight games to start the season, which oh, wow. is their best since the 2008-2009 season. Wow. And... They're going to face LSU in that tournament championship game this Saturday, I believe. You, I think so. Question mark, maybe? I, I believe so. I believe it was correct. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm trying to figure out how the game ended. They started roaring back, and then uh, they actually took the lead with five minutes left in the game on a jump hook from Rodrigo and Della. And then after that, uh, Wake Forest just continued to Come back a little bit more, and with a minute and 10 left in the game, Johnny Hunt was able to break through for a dunk with 53 seconds left to pull the Beavers even, and that eventually forced the extra period. The Beavers oh, wow. got to stop on defense. So heading into that, getting some productions from some players that you like to see getting production from, i.e. Johnny Hunt coming in at the end of the game, mm-hmm. doing what he's supposed to, one of the leaders of the team. But that's how the game ended. That's what happened, and they knew they had another game to play. That was against Penn State. Yes. Ryan, do you want to talk about that game? Uh, Well, Penn State, that was not as close of a game, obviously. Looking at the score here, 60 to 45. Penn State closed out the first half of that game with a 14 to 1 run and cruised past Oregon State in the third place game of the Emerald Coast Classic. Uh, senior guard for Penn State. Uh, balanced uh, their attack with 14 points and seven assists while guard Miles Dredd had 12 points and forward Seth Lundy had 11. Jared Lucas was the leading scorer for Oregon State with 11 points. The Beavers missed their last seven shots of the first half during a two-minute and 20-second stretch, and Penn State took advantage of the scoring drought by Oregon State by closing out the first half with a 14-1 run, like I mentioned, and they had a 29-17 lead at halftime. Three-point basket by Dredd with 18 Minutes left to play, extending the lead 34-19, sorry, forcing Oregon State to take an early second-half timeout. And really, Penn State out-rebounded Oregon State with 35-29, with Lundy and Jelani White each grabbing a team-high seven rebounds. Overall, just not really solid play from Oregon State in their second game. No, not really. And, and uh, don't, don't want to cut you off there, Ryan. But, yeah. um, before, so I want to point out, before the Wake Forest game, um, so it says here, the Beavers, who excuse me, who won the Pac-12 tournament and reached the Elite Eight, they have lost their five straight following a season number to win. So they lost their last three games 
by a total of five points. That was prior to the Penn State loss. Yeah. And then you lose to Penn State. Mind you, Oregon State only scored 17 points at the end of the first half. So at the end of the first half, 29-17, lo- low-scoring affair on both ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, pretty much, I guess, Jerry Lucas carried that first half because 11, 11 for 17 points is not big of a deal. But, uh, yeah, there's some... Um, is Maurice Kalu still injured with the knee injury? I think he's still injured. I'm yeah, not, I'm not too so sure. I found out about that because remember, it was ben, a funny way we finally found yeah, out. Yeah, it was a funny way when we broadcasted yeah. the Princeton game. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, after after that game, uh, Maurice Kalu has been dealing with knee tendonitis, mm. which oh, is no. uh, which I know from experience is no no, no joke. It's gonna take it's no some fun. time. Yeah. And uh, it 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 it's a it sucks. It's one of those injuries that you can't you know really rehab really like straightforward it's kind of like a tricky one that you just kind of have to go and see how you're well, anything feels. with the knee is mm-hmm. like, yeah. the knee's like very sensitive too so and especially in basketball it's where all your power comes from you mm-hmm. you push the knee and leg down into the ground to so you basically jump, change run. direction jump run every part of the game comes from having control in the knees hips legs exactly yeah, yeah. exactly so yeah, yeah that sucks for maurice man that's a huge he's a, he's a huge playmaker he looked really good in the, the tournament too the both the um pack 12 and ncaa tournament so he's I mean, he's a playmaker for sure so i think his presence is affecting the the um the team mm-hmm. but it's kind of i will say how to put this it's kind of sad now because like you know obviously the oregon state the men's basketball team, they made the Elite Eight, right? right? So we expect, or just like the general Corvallis community, expect huge things from them. And then you go and drop your, um, your, your drop six straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, how do I put this? It's kind of demoralizing, too. Because, like, for example, Dexter Economy is in my class for nonverbal communication. And um, so, funny, st- oh, not funny story, it's kind of harmful. Um, the teacher was like, when we were wrapping up class, the teacher was like, after the Princeton loss, the teacher was like, Everyone go give Dexter a hug because they lost by one point to Princeton. Mm. Oh. Called him out, and Dexter was just, obviously, Dexter's my boy. He was hurt by that. Yeah. yeah. And then That's why it's cold, Teach. And then, get this, Monday, after they dropped two, two straight again, she was like, anybody want to ask Dexter how many games he won over the weekend? So, oh. So it's just, yeah, so, oh. so it's just like. She must not know the E-sets are coming out, and we're evaluating no, our teachers pretty soon. Exactly, yeah. Oh. But, so I, I won't say her name, but so it was like. That's I felt cruel. bad for him. Like, yeah. I told Dex, I'm like, keep your head up, dog. Keep your head up. And then I was like, I was like, watch Dex. You're going to prove everybody wrong. You're going to prove everybody wrong. Like, just you wait. Just you wait. And he was like, yes, sir. Appreciate it. So it's kind of sad because, like, I know, I know, like, one guy I live with, I won't say his name either. He's, like, such a pessimistic. So every time the team loses, it's, like, the end of the world. But no, I know people like that, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, at the same time, like, like, Ben, you and I talk about this, too. It's like, these kids are, well, they're kids. So think they're like, our they're, age. They're our age. They're, they're our not age. kids, but. We're, we're, I'm 21 in here yeah, sitting I'm in 20, a podcast studio. 20, and yeah, yeah. You got 21 year olds <laughs> exactly, yeah, doing different things. You know, on it's the basketball like, court playing for the school. Of course, I, I understand. It's like you want to win, but it's like, like these yeah. are like yeah. athletes. Like they're they're student, they're quote student athletes. They're exactly. Students first, so I feel bad for these guys. Like honestly, and then Wayne Tingle too. A lot of people are going for his head now, even after the contract mm-hmm. extension. So a lot of people are going for his head. In Pac-12. Play hasn't even started yet. Exactly. Yeah. So, so honestly, I feel like it's a little unfair to it is very unfair. get on him too much. But what is Cal? Yeah, Cal's the start. Yeah. Pac-12 play. That's next week. Yeah, next week. So uh, this week actually, uh, okay. December second, um, Oregon State takes on Cal Golden Bears. Mm-hmm. Not not too much of a better program, I will say. Because like over recent years, Oregon State has a, had the upper edge on them, mm-hmm. uh, according to the history here. Actually, so actually I lied. So <laughs> Oregon State. 
has a four-game winning streak against Cal, but away they are two and seventeen overall. So, and the last time these two teams met, it was a narrow fifty-nine to fifty-seven victory for the Beavers. That was uh, February twenty-fifth, twenty twenty-one. But still, I, I think that honestly, just if you need to win games, you need to win them now because yeah. if, you, if you keep losing, especially it's, it's at one point is like like these excuse, these losses become acceptable. Yeah. Which even when Tinkle was like. I like Wayne Tingo's press conferences. I like watching them because he's like, he's like, you know what? It's like, we lost. I'm not making excuses, but our team did this, 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 and that right. So, I mean, better than nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And then, too, you know, if you don't start winning soon. Losing is going to hurt the locker room no matter no matter yeah. what sport you play. And it's just winning really helps a lot of those issues. It mm-hmm. masks a lot of those issues that you'd face if you're not losing. And that's why a lot of that stuff, and I think that's why a lot of people are coming after Coach Wayne Tinkle is because they're losing because they're on this six game winning oh losing streak sorry you know it, they're basically it's basically like they have an excuse now you know to call call them out on that but mm-hmm. um yeah that's really it it's just winning will you know kind of fix a lot of these issues but also too it's like with some of the issues that we've saw what that we've seen uh what what do you fix that's that's the thing what yeah. things because you can't ben, you can't you, ben, you can't, can't you know fix everything right mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like you got to pick what's ailing you right now and just mm-hmm. try and mask the other issues as best as you can. Mm-hmm. I know, I Ben, you and I talked about it. You and I yeah. talked about it's like, this is like a brand new team. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's a brand new team still gelling together. And, I mean, especially playing against non-conference teams that you don't see a lot. Exactly. Like, you don't yeah. really know what they do. They have different talent. But, I mean, the I'm looking at the stats for the team right now. Uh, Warith Alatisha, Jay Lucas, and Maurice Clue, they're the leaders in scoring and basically most mm-hmm. production for the team. And that's expected for the team. Of course, yeah. But they need, I can't say they need to, but because that's where it, you have fans getting mad at the Beavers, getting mad at Wayne Tingle basically for lineup issues, decisions with uh, when you're performing game one. I mean, yeah, and team performance especially, but um, for fixing issues right now, especially right before Pac 12 play, it's, it's about time to set a starting lineup, one that you're going to yeah. rock with. And yeah. people off the bench that you're going to rely on. Um, forward Ahmad Rand, one of my favorite players on this favorite basketball team. He's Same electric. Here. I think all of our <laughs> jumps players. out the roof, plays extremely hard, hasn't gotten a start yet. No. Honestly, I think for a good reason because like I think you want him well rested. Yeah, like when but it's crunch time. I do. I, do I think he, he gives the Beavers something that in the starting lineup, playing against the best players on the other team, it yeah, could be, it could be good for them just having that production. I Maybe throw it twenty feet up in there, he'll still catch it and slam dunk it. I will say, yeah, that slam dunk is just. I remember watching that slam dunk live because you almost cussed on the air, Ben. You, you, ben was so Ben was so shocked by that slam dunk, he almost cussed on the I'm air. I'm not costing this company no money. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even thinking about swearing. But nonetheless, so yeah, I agree. I'm on Randy's a very good player. Um, yeah, yeah, but I guess quite back to those six losses. I think like this sounds like I guess optimistic of me, but I would much rather them lose. Six out of conference games than six in conference games. Oh, yeah, like, no, no, obviously, no, no, that's no. like that's much more of a bigger deal, mm-hmm. it, exactly. Yeah, I at the end of the day, conference play is all that matters, mm-hmm. postseason's all that matters, too. Yeah, so. true, so obviously, yeah. Goes. And then, too, with, with Princeton, we saw a three guard lineup, it was pretty, it was pretty effective. Yes, they ended up losing by one, but pretty effective. And we'll see if you know, coach decides to go back to that or not. But had some success, but obviously, as mm-hmm. you and I both know, Ben had a lot of defensive issues against Princeton that game. And when it looked like momentum was going the Beavers way, suddenly 
you know, lapse in defensive uh, consistency on the court, mm-hmm. and then suddenly Princeton was back up by six or eight uh, on Beavs. So we'll see. We'll see what um we'll see what uh, they decide to do here. I hear you, man. And I mean, this isn't defensively at all. I'm looking at another issue the Beavers could fix offensively. No, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the team's shooting 67 percent from the free throw line. Want to know the only player that I truly two of them that I true three of them four of them <laughs> that I truly truly love. I'm going to guess Jared Lucas, Ahmad Rand, Warthol Tiche, and Roger Gandela. Uh, you got one of them. You got a couple. Dang it. <laughs> Jared Lucas shooting 83.3% from the line. Okay. Maurice okay. Kaloub shooting 93% oh, okay. from the Maurice line. Kaloub, yeah. uh, Gianni Hunt shooting a surprising 90% from the line as well. Okay. And Roger Gandela 100% from the line. Wow. Wow. Those are the, the leaders of the team. The Come on. Team. They're free throws. They're called free throws. Because they're for free. Shoot. Free. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Beaver basketball players maybe shoot. 100 free throws after practice or something maybe get a little start making them because those uh, those that you're missing are showing up and then also one point losses also losses they're shooting 29 percent from the three-point line which is surprising because last season jared lucas made his money off that yeah yeah well that is where jared lucas makes his money he's a three-point shooter yeah i was speaking of jared lucas i have a class with him as well at i today actually and you could just tell he was very very he was not there He was so very pissed off. I, I don't blame him. He was so like he was just not there. Mm-hmm. He's so reflecting about the season. So definitely just yeah, just like like I told Dexter, uh, keep your head up. You know, it's definitely just like losses suck, but better early. Uh, you can't avoid them, camera from them, unless you're like Georgia in mm-hmm. football. But uh, <laughs> but still, just like losses happen, and. Uh, When's Troll Mariel coming back? That is a great question. Dude. That's a good question. I want the seven footer on the, the court. Seven two footer. Seven two footer. Seven two <laughs> with fifteen brothers. Yeah, raised on a on a raised on a farm. Farm. Yeah. Your own, um, you don't grow your own cattle. No. Well, you can have one cattle and then grow from there. No, so two cattle. Two cattle. Two, 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 two little cattle. Right? All right. Yeah, he grew his own cattle. Grew his, yeah. You he planted it in the ground and <laughs> it sprouted. It sprouted a cattle. <laughs> the cow tree. <laughs> All right, uh, let's right. talk about right. let's talk about this men's soccer NCAA run that they're oh on right now. Oh my goodness, yeah. man! Woo. They win again this uh, weekend on Sunday. Yeah, they played oh, Sunday. Can I, can, I talk, can I talk about it? Can I talk about it? Yeah, but oh, they yeah, played yeah, Sunday at ahead, six p.m. against New Hampshire. <laughs> so, yeah, Oregon State number one seed overall. Like Ben mentioned, they won against uh, St. John's two zero to advance what? to the Sweet Sixteen, and then they defeated oh. New Hampshire one zero to advance to the Elite Eight. So far, they've not been scored on, which is pretty, pretty cool to think about. Um, we're actually we're sending a reporter and a photographer there, too. So uh, Kayla Jones is going to go shoot photos for us, and Alejandro Paniagua is going to go write for us. I'm excited for that. Um, so the Beavers advanced to their first Elite Eight in program history. They'll face Clemson University on um, Saturday. Anders, how did Siki Netsabaleng do? You said it right. Hey. Nice. You said it right. I'm proud I was, of you, I was practicing on the elevator ride. There you go. Proud of you. <laughs> Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but Ryan, you do. Uh, yeah. how, how did our boy do? Uh, he had one shot on goal, uh, one assist. Uh, did not get any any points though, but still contributed nonetheless. And uh, yeah, good performance overall. T- the only goal that came over in the New Hampshire was, uh, was Mohamed so Thiam. Oh, yes. Was it who? Who yeah. was it? Mohamed Thiam. Mohamed Thiam. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I think the goal came early in the first. No, uh, it was... um like The first, like, 10 minutes, I think? Yeah, I do want to say in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah early yeah. and then just solid defense. And then it was defense the yeah, whole no, rest the of whole the game. game. I was yeah. following the Nick Dashiell live tweets. He does a great job. Shout out <laughs> defense. Nick Dashiell. <laughs> yeah, Oregon State defense held uh, New Hampshire to three shots on goal out of 11 shots total. Hey. Wow. Solid defense three right shots, there. Wow. But, yeah, going to the Elite Eight now for the first time in program history, they're going to play Clemson. Yes. Clemson on Saturday. Saturday, 6 p.m. How is Clemson's soccer team? I'm, all well, I know is I'm Clemson assuming they're football. very good. Really? Because, well, they made it to the Elite Eight. Well, well, well. You would think they're good. <laughs> Could be a Cinderella team. Oh, well, Ryan, maybe. Well, Ryan looks up the stats. Uh, I do have a quote from... I want to play um, Washington in the championship. That'd, that'd be, be cool. nice. That'd be cool. So cool. That'd be cool. All right, read that quote. Anyway, yeah. So, Terry Boss, head coach, said this. I just have to give them so much credit. I, excuse me, retard that. I just have to give so much credit to the guys. I'm really proud of them. I thought the first half was exceptional. I thought the guys played really well. UNH is a fantastic team, and we knew that they were physical. I do believe our conference has prepared us for it. UNH certainly turned up the dials in the second half, and there's things we were going to need to go back and look at and make better. With that being said, the resolve, the grit, the fight to not concede, I couldn't be more proud of those guys. So that's that's like, oh, man, that's like goosebumps just hearing that. But, uh, yeah, just honestly, just this men's soccer team looking very phenomenal this year. So far, so good that you know, elite eight in soccer. That's that's huge. I can't believe it. I can't believe, like we are a soccer school. Dang it, we are a soccer school. We are a football school. We can talk about that later. We are a. Um, we're like the we're like the we Alabama the of soccer. Yeah, we're the Alabama. We're the Georgia of soccer. Oh yeah, not Alabama anymore. We're the Georgia. We're, we're the Georgia. We're the Georgia. We were we were the uh, I don't know, I don't know what's a common. I don't know. I brain fart. Anyway, what are you trying to go with that? What? Where are you trying to go with that? Trying to find like some like person that was not good and then they became good all of a sudden. Oh, oh, um, Coastal Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> not that Loy- they, Loyola Marymount, maybe. That's a good. Yeah, that's maybe. a good one. Not that they weren't good, but just like they were good, but they weren't like enough to be noticed. Yeah. And now they're getting noticed. All right. Anyway, enough of our banter there, Ben. Ryan, <laughs> how how good is Clemson soccer? So Clemson soccer for this season uh, was five and three in the ACC conference overall. 15 and 5 on the season. So pretty okay. good. Pretty yeah, good pretty team. Good, good. Uh throughout their tournament run, they played University of Denver 1-1-0 and then played against Kentucky in the round of 16, 1-2-1, and now will come here to Corvallis to play the Oregon State Beavers. It's six o'clock. Saturday. Saturday. Yes, and tickets are sold out, by the way, for those <laughs> listening. Uh, I know. My friend was like, we should go to a soccer game. I said, okay, checked yesterday. Sold out. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but make sure to check around 2.30 on Saturday because I saw from uh, Beaver uh, tickets that uh, they might have some still left. We'll I don't know. Yeah, but like I said, check around 2.30, see if they're still available or not. Um, but I do want to point out, though, so... So this is Elite Eight. So the winner of Oregon State and Clemson will go on to face either Georgia or West Virginia. Georgia, the third seed in the bracket, and West Virginia, the 11th seed. I mean seed. Georgetown. Georgetown. Did I say Georgia? Yeah. Georgetown. I, I, I'm thinking of football. My bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Georgetown, the number three seed in the bracket. So winner faces on in the final, in the final four, and then from there. Wait, in this bracket, are there two number one seeds, or are we the only number one seed? Uh, I believe. Only one number one. Only one number one. Is Washington two? Washington's number two. They're on the other side. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to my friend. Um, he goes to UW, and we're like, 
you know, beavers, uh, huskies in the soccer championship. We're flying wherever it is. Really? Yeah, I'm just looking to go to every bowl game, I guess. <laughs> bowl, championship, I don't care. Let's go. Yeah, that's right. Devin, it's like, I can't imagine, like, what Corvallis would, like, respond. Especially because, like, soccer. Like a national championship. Yeah, because, like. Soccer was getting steam in the beginning, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, because there was lines to get into like regular season games, and now it's like sold out every single season, every single game, every single like. There's a huge line that goes from here to the hotel room. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's huge. Props to these guys, man. I'm just I'm excited to see. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. hoping these guys well. Plus, I know uh, Joel Walker pretty well, mm-hmm. one of my good friends. So I'm rooting for him too. But um, yeah, tickets are sold out yeah. though. I wish I low key. I might just go as a reporter myself, so I can I can. Trying to get some media access. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, I'm the the, the sports chief. I have to be here. (laughs) (laughs) It's my job. It'd be awesome. They win a national, potential winning uh, national championship, bringing back to Corvallis. All I can say is the students, staff, everyone here is going to go crazy. I know it's Street of Monroe would be filled with people. Everyone would be out. Oh, yeah. yeah, fun. Definitely. And I wouldn't be surprised too if they expand uh, Lorenz Field. Yeah. At least give it a little renovation, more seats at least. Yeah. After the successfulness of this, uh, the success of this season, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that, no matter the outcome. I should reward them. Reward them. It's like a reward. Speaking of reward, it's like a reward. Speaking of reward, <laughs> I I rewarded um, Ben Paul and Ryan. Uh, That's right. I well, Ben and I got to put a little travel pitch together to send them to Eugene to commentate the rivalry series football game, the 125th matchup in the rivalry series history. Um, obviously the game didn't go as uh, we wanted it to. Mm-hmm. The Beavers did lose yeah. 38-29 to Oregon. But um, want to know the talk- best part about leaving Eugene? Oh, I want to know the best part about Eugene. Sure, sure. Let, let's. We're, we're talking about U of O now. Eugene's. Have I? Well, Fair enough. Right, it's very short. Best part about Eugene is leaving. <laughs> yeah. Get <laughs> him dirty. Yeah. Oh, I had to get that off my and, chest. And um, Ben, why is that? Well, no. Keep in mind, we are a family-friendly podcast. Well, if this is a family-friendly podcast, I'd like to spread some family-friendly knowledge. Okay. How about it? Oh, what I, you got? I didn't say that right. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, it's fine. I got a lot of friends down there. I went to high school with a lot of them. Uh, I really just don't like Eugene. Seems like a lot of the people that go to Eugene strictly go there to brag about their football team, and there's simply more to life than the football team that plays for your school. Exactly. Preach, preach, man. Preach. Put that on a t-shirt. We have the better school, <laughs> Oregon State, superior no matter what, in my mind. But just going down there, um, I already wasn't a fan of the 12:30 start. Ryan had it a little worse, getting up a little earlier than I yeah, did. I bet, yeah, so yeah. Ryan, actually you working. A, I know you went as a fan. I went as a fan. I was truly. I, I was just. <laughs> I was there. I left after. All I have are memories. <laughs> I, I wasn't in the state. I went back home for Thanksgiving. But Ryan, you had the chance to broadcast the game. Yes. Can you take us through? We saw your Instagram like in life, but what time did you wake up? What time did you get to Eugene? So. Okay, so both Jacob and I, right, we both woke up early. Jacob woke up earlier than I did to get over here, but I woke up around like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. uh, and got over here around uh, 6 uh, to get the stuff. But uh, we were missing uh, Ben Paul uh, <laughs> briefly oh, ben Paul. early on, and we were trying to figure out where he was. We ended up calling him, and uh, we were like, hey, like, where are you? You know, kept calling him, calling him, calling him, and he finally picked up, and he was like, oh, I gotta get over there, right? And I'm like, yeah. It was like, but we both initially agreed on, you know, uh, we'd get over there to the SEC, get over here to the SEC at six, and then get down to Eugene at seven. But that kind of changed. Ben got over here at like six twenty, and we got down there by around like seven thirty or so ish. Yeah, so yeah. not too bad. 
got got ahead of all the traffic and all that was able to get into the stadium early to set up nice. so took advantage of all that but yeah too and it's like speaking on ben's you know sort of uh, experiences with fans and all that i i left a left a sour taste in my mouth i didn't necessarily experience that being on top of the roof of odson yeah, you're on the roof of odson dude yeah <laughs> chilling up there uh, but during the broadcast there was a certain expletive filled chant that was going on throughout the stadium uh, something the beavers or... something the beavers yeah and i had to turn down the crowd mic almost all the way down to make Just sure that was not broadcast <laughs> on the radio because talking to steven our broadcast advisor about that we actually would have had to pay a fine had that really? a, yeah. a large sum of money yeah, yeah. You, you can't say you can't say but yeah, yeah. The, the, like, there's like for the radio if you for those that don't know, there's um, safe harbor hours, which you can play music that has cuss words um, after 10 p.m. and before 6 a.m. But um, in general, like you as like like the host, you on the radio, like if you're live, you cannot cuss at all because it's, it's a fat chunk of money. Exactly. Like Marshawn Lynch got fined a lot of money because he said WTF on, on Monday Night Manning. Yeah. yeah. So it's something <laughs> yeah. like that, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, continue, Ryan. Yeah, and then too, uh, I learned post game that Mike Parker, voice of the Beavers, uh, his family experienced some really unruly behavior. Uh, his daughter tweeted about that. I really don't want to go too much in depth into no, that because that's, that's you know it's horrible stuff there. And then the marching band. I know somebody uh, in the marching band. Uh, her name is Elena. Elena, shout out if you're listening to this podcast. By the way, uh, she was mentioning to me that when they were eating lunch. Um, had their version of true acts right before they're about to go in the stadium they were almost immediately harassed a bunch of a bunch of duck fans were already harassing the band and it's I like it, it's one of those things where it's like why why even bother like, why you the, know, the band, band is the band doing? doesn't affect you know the game anything that's going on uh but yeah that uh that was kind of the stuff that happened it was like i was kind of glad to get out of there too and then with one of the things that happened at the end of the game, uh, which we'll get into a little bit later, but but it was a nice way to end, the, nice end the night because yeah. you can't pick, pick me up at the airport. Exactly, <laughs> we picked you up at the nice airport. Little, yeah, I landed in Eugene, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you guys are like in the area, you know, you can come pick me up, and we got McDonald's. It was we got here back like at eight, <laughs> just hanging out. But um, I guess so. I wasn't at the game itself, so I don't feel like it's right for me to talk about stats. Man, I'm gonna throw it to you yeah. to talk about some stats. Um, I'm gonna go. Night before the game, actually, 5 oh. p.m., uh, yeah. University of Washington and Washington State University were playing in their Apple Cup. Yes. I think that's what it's called, yeah. Yep. Um, reason this is important is because if University of Washington were to defeat Washington State in that game, the rivalry game between Oregon State and University of Oregon, the winner of that game would have been the team sent to the Pac-12 uh, championship as the North Division leader. Yes. Um since Washington State demolished University of Washington. Mm -hmm. um, the game didn't have the same meaning I'm sure a lot of the players were hoping for heading into the game. It, it was now just pure rivalry, uh, bragging rights, but Beavers win that game. They're only improving their uh, bowl chances and taking the Oregon Ducks out of the Rose Bowl, which is always fun, but it's not how it went. Nope. Oregon beat us in the game. Uh, there's more, definitely more to talk to that, though. Um get those stats up also i want to point out uh where it's the so ryan does our outlines for the podcast 
One part I want to highlight. ESPN crew sucked commentating that game. Personally, Ben Paul and I did a better job. <laughs> and you guys did, I will say. Yeah, yeah. The um, ESPN crew was not great. <laughs> I, I heard a lot about that post game, and they were like, yeah. But I did. I, so I, I was very, very pleased that you two commentated the game. So. Yeah, so, well, and at least we weren't the Lions or had 25 penalties accepted in that game because, you know, Thanksgiving <laughs> football and all that, that was, was awful. That was hard awful. To watch. But, 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 <laughs> but no we digress. Thing, no ben, back to you. <laughs> all right. Well, Chance Nolan and Luke Musgrave arguably had their two best games of the season. Um, Chance Nolan passed for a career high 308 yards. Luke Musgrave set a personal best with seven receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown in Oregon State's 38 to 29 loss in that afternoon at Autzen Stadium. So the Beavers actually started uh, started the first half pretty slow. They yes. were down twenty four oh, to yeah. three at the end of the half, but we're a second half team. They outscored Oregon twenty six to fourteen <laughs> yes. in the second half. So that second half saw Chance Nolan pass for two hundred sixty two yards alone and throw uh, touchdown strikes to Musgrave and Trayvon Bradford. So another game without Deshaun Fenwick due to his ankle injury. That's right. Taking That's him tough. out of the past couple games. Uh, the Running back line has been mostly B.J. Baylor and Trey Lowe. Um, I, would say, I would argue like Baylor's more like the front runner of that. Well, yeah, yeah. Baylor is pretty good though. Baylor is the front runner. He's been the front runner even above Fenwick all season. But mm-hmm. uh, Stem two now just kind of taking the reins of the running back group. He ran for a four yard touchdown score early in the fourth quarter, while Chance Nolan scored on a one yard rush with a minute and eight remaining in the game. At that point, it was just a little. Too much, too late. Um, yeah. There wasn't much yeah. Oregon State could do to win the game at that point. But let's talk about Trayvon Bradford. Six receptions in the game, and his 79 yards gave him 1,879 total yards for his career, which now ranks 10th in the Oregon State record there books. You go. Welcome to the top 10 of history. Attaboy, Bradford. Trayvon Bradford. Hey, love to see it. Avery Roberts, linebacker, who was questionable heading into the game, but... Thankfully, he was able to play. Yeah, I think he was in a, he was in a boot earlier. I mean, yeah, he, he yeah. got hurt. Yeah, I hurt. think it was leg injury that last game yeah. against yeah. Arizona State. Yeah, ankle. Yeah, yeah. but he kept boot. up with his Pac-12 leading tackle. Uh, yeah, he leads the Pac-12 in tackles. He kept up with that, finished the game with 13 tackles, giving him 128 on the season, which pushes him into a tie for fifth in the OSU single-season record books. Welcome to the top five, Avery Roberts. Welcome, welcome. He also has 280 for his Oregon State career which is too shy of moving into top 10 in the program's record books. Too shy? Too shy. That's a game. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> Keaton Oladapo and, Amos, and Amar Spades both had nine tackles to back up Roberts on the defensive end of the ball, and Oladapo also added that one tackle for loss in the game. Also, um, I want to point out, too, not many penalties in this game for Oregon State, which was a surprise, you know, being mm-hmm. in a hostile environment. Unlike yeah, Oregon, honestly. which had they their offensive line had many false start penalties, and mm-hmm. two one of their linemen crazy. had yeah. not started in a few games either, which was yeah exactly. Which was we crazy. saw we we've seen time and time again where it's like if you're in a hostile environment, like that crowd gets loud. Like for example, mm-hmm. what was Arizona State had like three back to back false start calls just because yeah. they couldn't hear, so it was yeah. like false start, false start, false start. It was loud in there though. I'll give it them was that. Loud. Oh, it like, was the loud. Windows were shaking in the press box. No. It was loud in there. I'm yeah. hoping when research gets that renovation, it can. I mean, having the whole bowl, that's a cool stadium. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I'll give it to Austin. Austin Stadium's cool. It's the only good thing about nah. Eugene. It's a cool layout. I guess. Um, <laughs> but I will say, though, too, even though Nolan passed for a career-high 308 passing yards, actually, funny story, Ben Paul considered thinking of benching Nolan at half what? for no, somebody else because no, of how he was playing. It's broadcast tradition. 
But <laughs> I, I, I was, yeah. I told him this on the broadcast. I was like, I don't think you go to anybody else, even though, yeah, Nolan hasn't been spectacular, right? He's been careful with the football. He hasn't done anything reckless, too reckless. That's like that you would say, okay, maybe you want to make that switch, right. right? So I was like, I don't think you do it. I think you keep him out there and you see what he can do. And if he does, you know, if he makes some really errant throws, then you take him out. But nope, did not at all. Didn't nope. take any sacks in that game. Credit to the <laughs> offensive line. Offensive line. Yeah. Uh, same thing too for, um, uh, you know, Oregon's offensive line keeping. Anthony Brown upright, no quarterback hurries or sacks for our defense. Shout out Dawson Jarmil. Yeah. <laughs> and then anyway, two. I say it's broadcast tradition because normally I'm the one doubting Chance Nolan on the broadcast. And Ben <laughs> Paul's like, no, like he's our best option. So it's kind of funny how he did it now. But yeah, uh, and, then, and then two, I also credit our offensive line for keeping Nolan upright. Some quarterback hurries at the end of the game, but Thibodeau was pretty much a non-factor in the game which props to them. Mm -hmm. uh, defense also got burned by Devin Williams, by the way, former Oregon State commit after transferring from USC, backed yeah. out of that, went to the University of Oregon, had six receptions for 110 yards. Both Anthony Brown and Travis Dye finished with 85 and 99 rushing yards, respectively, averaging Travis. around five yards a carry. Um, That's insane. Travis yeah. Dye is a really good back, but I do got to <laughs> say, Put on some gloves. No, bud. okay, thank you. Put on some accessories. <laughs> yeah, you look like it a looks little so weird. You look so weird. Like he had like a Fitbit on. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I'm just talking my steps, man. <laughs> and a Fitbit, and I was, I was like, this is gross. So like, like the picture you put on the cover photo for Hope Story, it's a cool photo, but if he had some gloves on. Dude. It just like it, to I'm, me. I'm sure he hears it all the time. He probably does it for a reason. No, it's a, it's a message. It's a fashion statement, you know. Yeah. But um. For Trent Bray, the defensive coordinator for the Beavers, I'm not trying to give any a slight hand to Arizona State, but this is really the first tough, this is his tough first offense test. that yeah. his defense has had to go mm -hmm. against. Um, I mean, yeah, you watch the game, you saw how it went, you listen to us now, you hear how it went, but just seeing it in person, um, oh yeah, it was kind of another game where I just felt like I really hope Oregon State does well offensively because it's the only it's the only way they're winning this game. But speaking of watching the game live, can we talk about the targeting call that was overturned? Yeah. Oh, that yeah. started this whole flurry yeah, There was a whole, like, scrum oh, in the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Jones has great pictures of it. He does. Yeah, he, has he, some does. Really good he does. Um, I know. Uh, Steven, Jen, Ben, and I were just watching, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and same thing with both Ben, Paul, and I. We were trying to keep our composure and not trying to let our, you know, true feelings and true thoughts uh, slip out on the broadcast. But basically, for those that don't know... Uh, fight broke out at the end of the game, and also there was a player injured for Uvo at the end of that, too. The cause of that fight was targeting call, like we alluded to, of Verone McKinley III, a name that Beaver fans will hate until he leaves the UO why'd you program. Why'd you emphasize it like that? Uh, well, I'll get, I'll get to the part later here. Uh, lowered his shoulder along with his helmet into Treshawn Harrison. Uh, initially ruled targeting. Refs overturned it. I don't know why. Because it looks like the textbook definition, but then again, this rule has been so broadly interpreted that we don't know what this actually means. But this is the s same person, too, that tore uh, Tristan Jebbia's hamstring last year on the oh, QB sneak. That's why I emphasize oh. Verone McKinley's name because, because of that. And rightfully so, you know, uh, OSU players were not happy with that. That led to the fight at the end of the game. Anthony Gould and Jamal Hill, they got into it. Uh, I think Jamal Hill ripped off Anthony Gold's helmet during all that. Yeah, it was a whole like 
Pulse. It, was, it was a it was a run play, and then the defender came up and just like headbutted. Yeah, Pulse. but like I think like from looking at the replay earlier today, uh, you know, holding on to Gold for a little too long there, yeah, and just was, was like get off me. Yeah, that was happening. Uh, and then Trishon Harrison got ejected in the game for fighting <laughs> through a punch. Yeah, uh, I also think Hill or Dante Manning, who was also involved in this too, should have been uh, ejected for instigating the fight. But you know that. That usually is the case. The other player from the it's opposite team the will always... Person. It's always, it's yeah. always going to be the second it's person. The it's always the second person. Yeah. yeah, there's no, you know, excuses for retaliation, let's be honest here, uh, regardless of the call. But, you know, when a helmet gets ripped off, teammates are going to, you know, come up no, and, you know... And, that's, my, that's, and, that's the brother. Yeah, they're going to stand up for each other. Mm-hmm. But... That fight also puts Harrison's status into question for the bowl game. We'll yeah, get into that half. later. Yeah, so first half already like, gone. I think, I think it was confirmed that he'll be out for the first half. Yeah, it it, it, it was it was rough. And two, I think Cristobal's coaching decisions kind of led to that. Uh, didn't really have control of his players. Ben alluded to that on the broadcast. Um, also left uh, players in the game that were clearly injured. Mm. Did just left them in there. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Should have been left out by that point. Situa- when did he get injured? He got injured it around was like early, like early in, the in the third quarter or well, so. Quote unquote injured. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like it's one of those things where it's just like Probably just resting up for the. You want even yeah, if he's still, not yeah, too bad, definitely. just like you want to save him from himself too. It's like you didn't let um, you know Noah Sewell after he got injured back out there. It's mm-hmm. like you should do the same thing too. But like situationally speaking, there's no point in keeping him out there. Just Oregon State was not going to make that comeback or tie the game mm. at that point in time, and then allowed a lot of that you know emotions to get the best of his players. Same thing with our team here, and then you know the coaches had also had like weird freedoms to stand way way past the sideline too, which is like, hey, like, yeah. what are we doing here? But what are we doing here? Yeah, it uh, it was. It's not something you want to see. It's really inexcusable behavior on both sides of both teams. It's like, I get it's a rivalry game. You know, tempers are going to flare up, right? But don't do something stupid that's going to hurt your team. That's no, the yeah, ta- that's mm-hmm. the main takeaway from this. Don't do something stupid. Don't, yeah. don't be that guy. Don't yeah. be that guy. Don't get yourself out first half of the next game, Harrison. Don't be a detrimental I mean, part of the team. Yeah, I yeah. get it. But well, yeah, emotions are flying. This is definitely the yeah. most non-civil rivalry game that the Beers and Ducks have had against each other. I mean, even before the fight, I'm just seeing players jaw at each other like yeah. they haven't before. Or well, because it's a rivalry. So it's that, a that's rivalry. expected. It's I mean, expected, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, I wasn't there live last year in Research Stadium, but over the TV, it didn't look like there was any of that. That's true. That is true, yeah. So maybe that's because Oregon just really wanted to win this year. They're a little... Uh, behind her proof. that they lost last year. Yeah, but still, nonetheless, I guess positive Beavers to lose, but still going bowling. Yeah, still, still going bowling. bowling. That's, yeah. that's a huge. Let's get into the good news. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. Um, although the Oregon State lost, a lot of positives. So they're seven and five at the end of the regular season when the media predicted them to go four and eight under Jonathan Smith, and it is their first bowl appearance in eight years. Last time they made a bowl, Oregon State was in twenty thirteen. Uh, there was a Hawaii Bowl. They won against Boise State. And I think Oregon State is 11-6 overall in bowls as an overall record. But um, nonetheless, though, some likely possibilities. I know Ben, uh, speaking of the bowl game, we actually mm-hmm. we got the travel pitch up and running. Uh, we got to make some adjustments on that, but it shouldn't be too, too hard. But, yeah, we have a team going. Uh, I plan on going to broadcast that game. I know Ben Paul plans on going, too. 
Ben Urbino. Hope he can go as editor. Hopefully. Hopefully we get that pitched. We asked our reporter today, Gio, if she could cover the game, and she was very, very honored. She was very excited for it. She said yes. Um, Jessica might go as our marketing lead just to make sure we get social media stuff. And uh, one more person is going. Jacob Jones as a photographer, hopefully. But um, so some possibilities for OSU are the Las Vegas Bowl, Holiday Bowl, and the LA Bowl, which is based on the bowl selection process. So, uh, quite frankly, I hope it's LA Bowl. I think it would be an honor to play in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. <laughs> I would love nothing more love, nothing for this more. Oregon State nothing prestigious more. team to play for the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. <laughs> but still, so I think any of these bowls would be pretty cool. Holiday Bowl. Any Las bowl Vegas, cool. Yeah, Las yeah. Vegas Bowl. Yeah. So, yeah, look forward to our coverage about that. It's definitely it's a big deal. we got to make it a big deal because it's huge. Another big deal. Uh, Coach Jonathan Smith, he received a contract extension that takes him through the 2027 season. Finally, he's getting some more money like he deserves. Yeah. I mean, uh, the new deal over the next six years, it should put his per year uh, salary like about like midway through Pac-12 coaches. Uh, he's no longer at the bottom of the barrel, but not at the top. It's kind of like midway. Yeah, like min, min, min. It's he deserves that, though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I have I have his, uh, well, at least according to Nick Daschle, at least what this contract entails, because when I saw the report come out, didn't know the financials of it, but apparently it calls for Smith to make $3.25 million in 2022, an increase to $3.35 million, then $3.45, and so on and so forth. And then by the time 2027 rolls around, it'll be $4.55 million. In addition to Smith's 2021 salary that was increased, it actually moves him to 11th among Pac-12 conference coaches in salary this season ahead of Jed Fish of Arizona. Before the adjustment, he was lowest paid. Uh, The assistant coach's salary pool was also increased to a minimum of $4.25 million per year. This past year, OSU's 10 assistant coaches were paid $3.75 million. In Smith's original contract, it was originally three point three for assistant coaches. And then another two point two million for support staff. Uh, Smith's buyout has significantly increased uh, as well. There's two new bonuses were added or increased to the new contract. He will receive fifty thousand if he leads the Beavers to any bowl game, nice. other than the college football playoffs, and a twenty five thousand dollar increase. And new to the contract is a $75,000 bonus if OSU wins the Pac-12 championship game. So lots of money. So lots of money, (laughs) basically just adding on to what he already has, what he was already earning. So, But anyway, this game, this this bowl game should be good nonetheless. Uh, I know (laughs) Ben and I, we're like hoping and praying it's LA Bowl because I live in Long Beach, which is right by LA, so... And my, quite frankly, my parents want company over. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I know we all agree where it's like if my, my parents are like, oh, if it, the Bulls in L.A., they could just stay at our house. So yep. look forward to that. But, um, yeah, just I think obviously Oregon State lost against Oregon, you know, not what you not he wanted in the season. But there's a chance to make history and you win your first bowl for the first time since 2013. So I'm very excited, though. Um, you know, we got BJ Baylor. He's in the mix for Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. That's cool, but can you explain to me what is right under that, the end-of-year awards and how so he's in the third So Pro team? Football Focus does some stuff uh, with end-of-year uh, awards and things like that. I don't trust Pro Football Focus with a lot of stuff when it comes to stats, but they're basically, you know, giving out awards for who they think, like, the best players from each uh, team. 
of by position for the Pac-12. And what they listed was Chance Nolan and Trevon Bradford, first team All-Pac-12. Alton Julian, Luke Losher were second team. B.J. Baylor, Keaton Oladapo, and Nathan Eldridge were third team. And then honorable mentions were Joshua Gray and Trishon Harrison to, in uh, in sort of that ranking there. So, yeah, that's uh, what um, what they sort of had. And it's nice to see, you know, uh, uh, the Beavs get some recognition, even, you know, through p- pro football focus. It's it nice definitely to see is, that. but pro football focus, get your facts right. Yeah. DJ Bay is a first teamer, no doubt. Yeah, a lot of people weren't happy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of people weren't too happy about also, that. Also, where, where is my man, Noose Kabonum? Uh, he should be on there. He, he should, should be, be on there. You know, number 69. 69. Yes. Nice. But for BJ Baylor in the mix for Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, the award that actually matters. is real. Yeah. Matters. <laughs> that, that's real. Yeah. That's awesome for him. I'm really happy for that. I mean, definitely everyone was questioning at the start of the season, can he take over for Jamar? That Jamar was a Jackson. big storyline. I think I he's proved that he can. Dude, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. I hope he's here next year. If he goes to the league, he deserves that too. He deserves that too. deserves that too. Woo. Yeah. It's anyway. finals week, everybody. Yeah, it's finals week for us here. That's um, right. I have two, fi- two, three finals to work. I have two essays to write. So. I got, a, I got a paper to write. I know that. <laughs> ben, what you got going on in your finals world? Oh, just accounting this and that, and doing yeah. all this other accounting whole nine stuff. Yards. I don't know. It's the whole nine yards. It's the end of the year. It's not <laughs> supposed to be fun, but maybe nope. next term I'll finally Wait. set myself up for a finals week to not be detrimental. <laughs> Speaking of, of, uh, of end of year stuff, I know. We're scheduled to broadcast our last basketball game this Sunday, actually, uh, versus Arizona. Um, that should be a good one. Not sure we're doing that that yet, but uh, once we do know, look forward to hearing that from us. Should be a good game. Beavers looking to win their kind of flip the script on their season. Yeah, so see how that goes. Snap that six game losing streak. But uh, nonetheless, that's all I got. Unless you guys have anything else. Mm, no, pretty good. Covered it all. Think we should call yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Those Damn Sports. Make sure to. I actually don't know if there's another one coming out next week. It might be a yeah. next term kind of thing. It might be next term, yeah. Actually, next term. Next term. So it's going to next term. My goal for this podcast is to get a guest on every week. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. Whether it be a student, athlete, fan, coworker, mm-hmm. just someone involved in the sports world. I've had some communication involved. with Lamar Hurd. He's more than happy to hop on the podcast if we can Ooh, figure out a way to do that. I would love that. I would I'd love that, that too. man. All right, we'll make sure to tune in next term for some more of those damn sports. We can't wait to... Have you listen? Can't Ooh. wait to watch more Beaver Sports. That's right. Have a good rest of your night, everybody, and enjoy. Yeah.